Hey, good morning. We're going to go back into the book of Acts again today and pick up in chapter 17 where we left off. And um, this is such a good book to be in. Um, In the first century, we see this recording of the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, through the believers, through the early church. Um, What a great lesson for us to learn from. What a great blueprint for um, you know, following um, the example of those who in the earliest days brought the gospel to the world. And as we saw last time, uh, even began to turn it upside down with the message of Christ. So we dive into this book again uh, here in Acts chapter 17. Let's pick it up in verse 10. And I'm going to go to about verse 15 today, I think. We'll see how it goes. But the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Now, Um, You remember last time that a riot arose in Thessalonica when Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel. Um, Jason and a couple of other guys uh, were called out and arrested and brought before the leaders and accused of turning the world upside down. Uh, This message that has been uh, really just transforming the world around and now come to Thessalonica and the people there didn't like it because it was an affront to their beliefs currently. Um, But nonetheless, the gospel took root there, and there were um, Jews in the synagogue who came to faith. There were many Greeks that came to faith. There were uh, women, uh, um, leading women were led to faith. And so the gospel left a footprint there in Thessalonica. And as we talked about last time, um, in just three Sabbaths, about three weeks' time, Paul established a church there. Paul and Silas established a church there. Uh, uh, established it in the faith, believers were gathering, and they had even brought them to an understanding about eschatological things. In that brief amount of time, they not only talked about the fundamentals of the faith, but they even talked about last things. Uh, and so we, we spoke for a moment about how important it is and in our well-balanced diet of Scripture to make sure that we teach all of it, that we don't necessarily leave those kinds of things out because they're for, you know, quote-unquote mature believers. No, they're hope-filled passages, and they're important things for us to understand. And so Paul included that in what he ultimately uh, built into that fellowship even early on. And you can get a, a larger sense of the kinds of things that he talked about with them by reading First and Second Thessalonians. So let me encourage you to do that. But they left Thessalonica after this riot had broken out, and they ultimately uh, were sent uh, away in by night, you know, uh, getting away by night, Ultimately, they went to this place called Berea, which is only really mentioned here. And uh, it's interesting what is mentioned about Berea. Uh, I'll finish verse 10. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Again, we saw last time in Thessalonica, this was Paul's practice. Even though he's an apostle to the Gentiles, he cannot help himself but go and uh, preach the gospel to Jewish believers in the hope that his kinsmen according to the flesh, his countrymen, would come to faith. Um, Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Now, that's awesome. In in, In Thessalonica, when they went to the synagogue, there were those Jews who came to believe, but by and large, the Jews there were resistant. Uh, they were they were um, they were not wanting to hear this. They wanted to have Paul and Silas arrested, but they escaped. They ended up, you know, getting uh, Jason and the other guys in trouble over it. They were resistant. They did not want uh, to hear this. They wanted that message to be gone. When they came to Berea and went to the synagogue, these Jews openly heard what Paul had to say, and they actually went to the scripture to find out whether the things he was talking about were true. Uh, and you remember how Paul reasoned from the scriptures when he went to go to the synagogues. Why? Because in the scripture, you can paint the picture of Christ 
that is so patently there. Uh, really, uh, if you if you remember in Luke chapter um, twenty four. Um, this stranger appears to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. It's one of the most uh, interesting and exciting passages in the gospel there. And, uh, and they're walking. This is after the crucifixion, before, uh, you know, just three days later. Um, and all of a sudden, this person's walking with them and, and as they're talking and says to them, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they say to him, are you a stranger around here? How do you not know what's going on? You know, and they began to talk to him about Jesus, this man, mighty in word indeed, who they thought might even be the Messiah. And then this stranger, who of course is the Lord, they don't recognize him yet though, he begins to share a Bible study, leading them through all the law and the prophets, starting with, you know, Moses and all the way through, and expresses how the the person of Christ, what he was going to come to do, that he would die and rise again, all this stuff, all from the Old Testament. Well, that's what the apostles preached from until the New Testament was written. Now, the New Testament, of course, is written during this period of time we're talking about as we go through the book of Acts and and beyond the book of Acts as well. But prior to that writing, this is where they would preach Christ from. And so as they went to the synagogue in Berea or any of the synagogues they would go to, um, they begin to preach Christ, and they're doing it from the Old Testament. And so these Jews who are familiar with the Old Testament are listening to what Paul is saying, and they're reading these passages, and suddenly it's coming clear to them, oh my gosh, this is what the scriptures were talking about. Jesus in uh, John chapter 5 uh, very clearly and very rightly said that you know the scriptures spoke of him. And here these believers, these Jews in the synagogue, are becoming believers because in the Old Testament they're seeing Christ. Uh, Paul in Acts 15 uh, would talk about um, how Jesus came according to this, uh, 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 died according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. Well, what scriptures? The Old Testament scriptures. And there are many that point to these things. You know, Genesis 22, for example, uh, is uh, it's called the Akedah. It's, it's 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 this representing of the story of Christ in. Uh, Abraham's offering of Isaac. And uh, if you connect chapter 22 with chapter 24, you have this incredible picture of not only the crucifixion, but also the resurrection, and then also the coming of of Christ for his bride. Uh, And then all the elements about the bride's coming to Christ and and responding to his call and wooing and such uh, as the Holy Spirit leads, all present in this wonderful story. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I didn't discover that. Uh, my first hearing of that was uh, by a, a guy named Chuck Missler. Many of you uh, who watch this channel are familiar with Chuck Missler, but if you ever hear him explain that, it's just, I remember the first time hearing that and seeing that in there. It just blew my mind. And I can't help wondering, you know, if as Paul is preaching from the Old Testament about Christ, if he maybe went to that passage, and who knows if he didn't sort of explain those insights. Maybe that's one of the ones Jesus talked about with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, but their eyes are open. They, they look to these scriptures. They're eager to. They're bringing a message of the Messiah, and they're saying he's come, and they're going to the scripture to see if, in fact, this is true. Uh, it's wonderful. And so they are seen in Thessalonica as being even more noble than those in, uh, in here in Berea, even more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received what was being said and checked it against the scripture and, and ultimately searched them out with eagerness to find out whether these things were in fact true. Um, it's, it's just wonderful. So in verse 12, therefore many of them believed, and not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. 
But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they also came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Uh, Once again, I know we mentioned last time, we'll mention again that there was a group of Judaizers, those who were saying that people needed to be under the Old Testament law of Moses. They could not just come by faith, uh, by God's grace. Rather, they had to come through Moses. And so they always sought to undermine the gospel as Paul was sharing it. And they followed him around. You can imagine how frustrating that would be. But, you know, there's a lesson in that. Um, When we do the work that God calls us to, there's always going to be opposition, antagonizing. There's going to be those that will seek to undermine and reverse what we're doing in that kind of thing. And we can spend our time one of two ways. Um, One way is trying to clean up after all that they're doing, they come following us. And sometimes we have to do that, sometimes. But a lot of times we can be discouraged and dissuaded from doing what we should continue to do by those kinds of people and that kind of animosity and antagonism. We um, sometimes have to do that, but sometimes we just have to leave it in the hands of the Lord and move on. Um, There's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be resistance. We cannot always be held back by that and just keep staying in that place and trying to, no, but wait, I, I said this, I know they're trying to change your mind back and all this, but sometimes we do it. Sometimes we just have to move on and trust that the Lord, who obviously loves and cares about everybody even more than we do. Uh, will do what he needs to do to preserve those believers who have accepted the gospel. Sometimes, believe it or not, those uh, like the Judaizers, those who come after trying to undermine it, are actually tools in the hand of God as well. I mean, they're certainly being used by the enemy, but they can actually be used by the Lord as well to sort of sift between those who really believe and those who don't. Uh, And so just something to think about and pray about. You know, Paul never stopped praying for the believers after he left the town. And he would write letters to go back, um, you know, to, to follow up with them, to answer their questions, to see how they're doing, things like that. The Corinthians, on another end of the spectrum, were, were like this as well, where uh, Paul went there, he invested in them for a year and a half, much longer than he had in Thessalonica. Uh, and after a year and a half planting the church, pouring into them and all that, later on when he writes a letter, he's having to correct all kinds of issues and problems. Uh, he teaches them. But the church is a mess. And on top of that, the second letter, they're actually starting to go after false teachers, uh, setting aside the fact that they know Paul loves them and cares about them, but they're starting to believe the word of false teachers. And so it breaks Paul's heart. So he speaks to that in the letter. And so again, sometimes we have to go back after that and try and set things right. Other times we just have to trust that the Lord's got it. And so which times do we do which? Uh, We need to pray. We need to just seek the Lord's wisdom on that. Um, survey the landscape and, and, and do our best to, 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 to decide in, the, in that time. But, um, but ministry can be messy. It's not always just, you know, you show up, everybody believes it's wonderful, you move on, everything stays good. That was not Paul's experience. And, and, um, and that was just something he had to learn to deal with and get used to as, as part of ministry. Uh, it burdened his heart for prayer, no doubt. We, that becomes obvious as we read him throughout the New Testament. His love for the people that he ministered to, brought to Christ, established in churches, these people never left his heart. Uh, we all, how many times do we see where he speaks about how he prays continually for them? They're forever on his mind praying for them and those kinds of things. Um, ministry's not easy in that regard. You know, your heart, um, you know, rejoices and reaches mountaintop experiences, but other times you recognize the difficulties and the hardships as well. And so this is um, kind of a little bit of a, an insight into both of those things in the passage here. Therefore, again, verse 12, many believed 
with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men, but the Jews again from Thessalonica, those who were rejecting, they learned that Paul had gone down and the word was brought down there to Berea, and so they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Verse 14, then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas, in other words, they came to persecute Paul there too, so the brothers, to protect Paul, sent him off to the sea that he might go to the next place he was going to go. Silas, on the other hand, uh, 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 and Timothy remained there. Uh, those who conducted Paul, in other words, Paul, uh, Silas and Timothy stayed there in Berea, um, but those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him, as soon as possible, they departed as well. And so they stayed there for a little while, potentially um, trying to you know, reinforce what had been taught as the Judaizers arrived, and Paul went to Athens. But Paul sent for, uh, uh, for Silas and Timothy, and so they made their way to meet him in Athens. Now we'll see there, uh, as Paul's waiting for them uh, in our next episode, I won't fit it all into this today, but in the next section, verses 16 through the rest of the chapter, we see Paul on Mars Hill, the Areopagus, and uh, as he's debating with various philosophers, Epicurean Stoic philosophers, and as he shares the gospel with them and that, and, and how that happens and what comes of it and things like that, um, this is the next thing that we'll see with Paul. It's a very famous passage in the book of Acts, and uh, we'll spend some time on it as we get there uh, next time we're here in the book of Acts. So thanks for watching. Thanks for, uh, um, uh, for joining in and going through the word together. And as always, if there's any thoughts or comments or even questions about any of this stuff, I encourage you to, to share them uh, in the comments section. I know there's actually a lot of times some really neat interaction um, with various of you folks watching and, and listening in that or engaging on different topics. I get to dive in once in a while too. It's really fun. It's really good. It's good that iron sharpens iron. Um, and I, I really appreciate too that for the most part, um, the comments and stuff that are in there are generally very respectfully done. Um, they are sometimes very pointed and direct and blunt, but you know, a lot of great interaction has happened through, through a lot of that. So appreciate that. It's, it's great to see that happening. It's great that we can kind of, you know, encourage each other, push each other sometimes a little bit, uh, hopefully in the end that we dive into the scripture even the more deeply for it. So, um, so praise the Lord, but, uh, thanks for watching and, um, and let me pray. Father, we just want to thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for, the fact that you have called us to serve you and that sometimes serving you in, uh, in, in includes enjoying wonderful mountaintop experiences, but also sometimes it can be very difficult and we can find ourselves um, discouraged because uh, maybe those that we'd invested in uh, maybe aren't walking with you now or maybe they're being uh, misled by others and we pray for them and we seek to redirect them and, and all of this, Father. We thank you that at the end of the day, you call us to be faithful and obedient but really the weight of what comes of that ministry is on your shoulders, even as we're called to sow and to water, but really it's, it's you that gives the increase. And so we just pray that, uh, Father, as you call us to service, that we'd remember that and we'd serve you faithfully, that we'd give ourselves over to you, and that, Father, the discouragements would bring us to prayer, that they would, they would be short-lived discouragements and really be encouragements to pray and to pour ourselves into bringing people before you as they come to mind, uh, maybe because they've fallen into bad, some bad situation after we've uh, parted ways or something. But uh, Lord, we thank you that you have given us a, a beautiful privilege and opportunity to be your hands and feet, uh, to serve you in whatever capacities you've called us to, and for that service uh, of obedience to you. 
and to others that you call us to is, is an act of worship. It's something that you receive and it's something that you see as meaningful. So help us to discover what it is you've called us to do and to pour ourselves into that and to seek to glorify you and let it to be an act of worship to you. Um, Father, we praise you and thank you again for your word. Thank you for giving us opportunities like these to come around it and study it. And we pray that you'd help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for watching, and we'll catch up with you next time. Until then, the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace forever.